Good morning and welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I'm Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. Day 270 brings us to Psalm 41. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day, for another day to spend in your word. Thank you for Psalm 41 and the opportunity we have to look at it together this morning. We pray that you would bless our time in Psalm 41 and grow us in knowledge of you, understanding of you, love for you, and understanding of your love for us. Father, make our hearts tender and receptive to your word by your spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 41 is written to the choir master, and it is a psalm of David. Blessed is the one who considers the poor. In the day of trouble, the Lord delivers him. The Lord protects him and keeps him alive. He is called blessed in the land. You do not give him up to the will of his enemies. The Lord sustains him on his sickbed. In his illness, you restore him to full health. As for me, I said, O Lord, be gracious to me. Heal me, for I have sinned against you. My enemies say of me in malice, When will he die and his name perish? And when one comes to see me, he utters empty words, while his heart gathers iniquity. When he goes out, he tells it abroad. All who hate me whisper together about me. They imagine the worst for me. They say, a deadly thing is poured out on him. He will not rise again from where he lies. Even my close friend, in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. But you, O Lord, be gracious to me and raise me up that I might repay them. By this I know that you delight in me. My enemy will not shout in triumph over me. But you have upheld me because of my integrity and set me in your presence forever. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. That is Psalm 41. David writes this psalm, probably out of a life experience that he had of a significant illness. It appears that he was bedridden from sickness and that his enemies were maliciously gossiping against him, saying that, that he's not going to get up from the sickbed. He's, he's going to die from this. And they're, and they're rejoicing over it and they're looking forward to it. But David has been one who has loved the Lord. He says, blessed is the one who considers the poor. David's consideration of the poor, David's care for the poor in the land and for the outcast and for the marginalized, for those who are powerless, weak, and who need the king's protection and provision, David's consideration of them is, is evidence, it's fruit that flows from his love for God, from the fact that he is a man after God's own heart. He knows that God has a heart for the poor, that God is father to the fatherless and the protector of widows is God in his holy habitation, as, as the psalmist says. And that God says he um, defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow in Deuteronomy, and he calls his people to defend and uphold the cause of the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. And so it is the fact that David is indeed a man after God's own heart that he 
considers the poor. We talked about this in on Sunday in our sermon in Isaiah 1, that love for God flows into love for neighbor, and particularly those neighbors who are not naturally our friends or family members or people who can pay us back for the good we do to them. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you only love your brothers or your friends, what more are you doing than the Gentiles or the tax collectors? Even they love their brothers and their friends. But if you love your enemies, if you love the poor, people who either don't owe you anything, you don't owe them anything, or people who can't pay you back in any way, then you show that you are children of your Father in heaven. So, the consideration of the poor, it's important, but it's important as a measure of how much we truly love God versus how much we just say we love God. And David has been one who considers the poor. And so he believes that God will protect him. Now, some people have taken like this opening stanza of Psalm 41 and have distorted it. And they have said, basically, if you're generous and you give to the poor, then you will never get sick severely. You will be restored to full health. You will not ever suffer defeat. You will have victory in all of your trials and, and tribulations. Now, of course, if you belong to God, and if you have been redeemed by the Lord Jesus, if you love God because he's first loved you, and you show that in your treatment of others, then it is true that in the ultimate sense, you will not suffer eternal sickness because you'll be raised up on the last day, you'll be given a resurrection body, you'll be eternally healthy, whole, healed, right? And that ultimately your enemy will not triumph over you. You may suffer discouragement and defeat from time to time, but ultimately you will triumph over your enemy because Christ has already defeated your enemy. But we shouldn't take this as some sort of magic, you know, pathway to earthly prosperity and health just say, hey, give a lot of money to the poor and you'll be rich, like some people say. That's not, that's not keeping in the spirit with the whole counsel of God's word and with all that God says. Now, we see something else here besides just David's own situation. And it really becomes clear to us in verse 9. David had said, they say a deadly thing is poured out for him. He will not rise again from where he lies. And then verse 9, he says, even my close friend in whom I trusted who ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. Now, the gospel writers pick this up and apply this to Judas and his betrayal of Jesus. And Jesus himself probably had this scripture in mind when he said, it's he who eats the bread after I've dipped it in the cup who will uh, um, betray me. And he dips the bread in the cup and he hands it to Judas. Um, by the way, that's... Uh, as far as I know, the only time we have any kind of intinction uh, practiced in the New Testament is when Jesus dips the bread in the cup and then gives it to Judas to identify him as the traitor. So I think that's yet another argument against the practice of intinction in churches. It's unbiblical and unwise practice. Anyway, if you don't even know what that is, forget it. Just a little thing for people who know what that is and who are concerned by the corruption of the Lord's Supper in churches. But this is about Jesus. So Psalm 41, although written by David and written out of David's life and reflecting things that he really experienced, by the Holy Spirit, David is lifted up beyond himself and he's, he's filled with words that speak not only of himself, but also of Christ. 
I think all the Psalms are ultimately about Christ, and all the Psalms are really the prayer book of Christ. Many of the Psalms are written by David, and, and there's kind of different ways in which that manifests itself. Sometimes David will write things in the Psalms, like in Psalm 22, about having his hands and feet pierced, and he can count all his bones. and all. He's describing crucifixion, and that's something that never happened to David in his life. Or he speaks of resurrection. You will not allow your Holy One to see corruption in the grave in Psalm 16. That's something that never happened to David. David's body did see corruption in the grave. So sometimes David is so inspired by the Holy Spirit that he writes things that are not true of him, but only true of Christ. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. David there is talking about Yahweh, the Lord, saying to his Lord, his Adonai, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. So some of his Psalms are only about Jesus. Others, many others, are like Psalm 41 in that they do truly reflect circumstances that he probably went through. We don't know exactly what sickness this is, but it seems to be something that David experienced. And yet, by the Holy Spirit... And his union with Christ, because David was united to Christ by faith, just as we are united to Christ by faith, he, he's, he's used by the Holy Spirit to reveal us things about Christ. So, Judas is referenced in verse 9 as the close friend in whom Jesus trusted. Jesus entrusted him with the money bag. He ate the bread, even at the Lord's Supper, and he lifted up his heel against him. Then we see verse 10 as a prayer of Jesus for resurrection. But you, O Lord, be gracious to me and raise me up that I may repay them. Jesus was raised from the dead and exalted to the right hand of the Father, and he reigns forevermore, and he is subjecting all of his enemies to his will, and he will make a final end of all of his enemies when he returns again. So, God the Father delights in the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 11, by this I know you delight in me. God the Father delights in the Lord Jesus Christ in that his enemy cannot shout in triumph over him because he has risen again. And Jesus is in the presence of the Father. He's at the right hand of the Father. So he says, you have upheld me because of my integrity. And that's true. Because Jesus was perfect, because Jesus was sinless, because Jesus obeyed his Father in everything, the Father vindicated him, delivered him from death, and raised him up and set him in his presence forever. So you see, it takes this turn in verse 9, and really, I think verses 9 to 12 are, are more true about Jesus than they were necessarily about David, although David through Christ will experience these things as well, but they're more true for Christ than they are for David. So we have again in the Psalms things that come out of life experiences but are really ultimately about Christ. How does it apply to us? Well, it applies to us because we are in Christ by faith, just as David was. And so Christ's victory is our victory. We can't say that we have integrity, but because of Christ's integrity, because of his righteousness, which is counted as ours when we trust in him and we're in him, we will be raised. We will triumph in Christ. We will be in the presence of God forever. So verses 9 to 12 are not just true of the Lord Jesus, but they're also true of us because what is true of Christ is true of those who are in Christ. Amen. So we can say, no matter what we go through, 
If we are in Christ and Christ is in us, we always have the victory. Victory in Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean health and wealth prosperity in this life necessarily. We do have an enemy. But in the end, we will, through Christ, crush that enemy under our feet. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the victory that we have in Jesus. Thank you that he has triumphed over sin and death and hell forever. And that we have eternal hope that we will be in your presence forever, victorious over all of our enemies because of Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. We rejoice in him and we rest in him today and we praise you in his name. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for joining me again for Psalm 41. Tomorrow we're going to be in the book of Proverbs. Hope you can join us for that. Have a blessed day in the Lord.